hello everyone and welcome back to the Football Sugar Podcast. My name is Tom Sterling and today I'm joined by my co-host Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Alongside myself and Pierce, we also have Liam Doherty on the podcast. Hello Liam. Yeah, yeah, how you doing? All right. Doing well. So on today's podcast, we'll be reacting to Man City winning the Premier League title previewing this weekend's or this week's Scottish Premiership matches and at the end of the podcast Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So coming up next we will be reacting to Man City winning the Premier League title. So on Saturday 20th of May Nottingham Forest defeated Arsenal 1-0 which meant that Man City were crowned champions of the Premier League. So this is Man City's third Premier League title in a row. So starting off with you Pierce. What is your reaction to Man City winning the Premier League? It was inevitable. Um, they're just they're just that machine that just keeps on turning, and they do it they do it season after season under Pep Guardiola, where they just somehow second half of the season they just kick on and just win 14, 15 games in a row, which is for most teams is it's not it's not a heard of. It's it's not it's not something you can do. Especially one of the most competitive leagues, where most teams can beat anybody. But um, I think with the squad that Pep Guardiola was assembled, the the, de- the depth of the bench is just unreal. Um, and obviously they're juggling uh, three competitions where they're going for an unprecedented uh, treble. Um, but with the signing of Haaland this season, you kind of knew that that would take them up a level. And although Arsenal started off amazingly at the start of the season, you kind of felt Guardiola and Man City just a serial winner and any slip-up or any um, stiff of blood and they would just pounce and they, they will and truly have. Mm-hmm. What about yourself, Liam? I, I feel like, um, you know, my first seen Haaland at the start of the season, um you know, he's got his first 10, 15 goals. I think it was just a matter of time before Man City won the league. And I know Arsenal were a wee bit ahead at times and a lot of people thought they'd win it. But there was a few wee warning signs where they had the chance to extend the lead over Man City and they never took them. And they, they remained top. But I just felt, and I said it last time, maybe six weeks ago or so when I was on, I just felt like they'd, they're probably still at the start of their, their journey under Arteta. So... They're a good team, but I think when you look back at the likes of Liverpool pushing Man City out all the way the last few seasons, and Man City always looked to be the team that would come out on top against a really strong Liverpool side. So I think that even though this Arsenal team are uh, really good under Arteta, I just don't think they're quite at that, that level yet. Um, so as I say, I kind of expected Man City to, to go and win it and I said they would win the treble and they've ticked one of the competitions off the list. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, they've just wrapped up the title. They're in a Champions League final. They're in an FA Cup final. So, Pierce, where do you rank uh, this, this Man City team? Do you think this is one of the best teams we've seen, possibly ever? Do you think it's one of the best teams we've seen in the Premier League? What do you think? Uh, I think it's got to be right up there, but um, for me, I think the best team that I've seen oh, is probably the Manchester United team that won the treble in 
was it 99? Because the fact is, although yeah. it didn't get as much points as what Man City are getting just now, it was a, diff- it was a different era. They had a, an amazing Arsenal side competing against. They like, teams like Newcastle and that were competing in the top league as well. Um, and just unreal Liverpool teams as well. But this side, if they can go on and beat Manchester United in the final or beat Inter Milan in the Champions League final, then for me, it could surpass it. Because, like for like, some of the players that Manchester United had was unreal at that midfield. Um, it was at Beckham, Giggs, Scholes, Keane. For me, I'd choose that over Man City's midfield. And it was a different era, it was a different way of style of football. But this side has got to be joint level, if not maybe even better, depending on how... It's just the, the, the style they play with, under God, they're just so um, flamboyant and exciting to watch. And it's just goal after goal, and you can't expect them to win 3 4 now every game. And if they don't, it's like a surprise because of how much quality they've got in that squad. Mm-hmm. Liam, where do you where do you see this Man City team in terms of the best teams? Do you think they are one of the best teams you've seen, or what do you think? Well, can I just like what Pierce was saying there? There's so many different eras to compare this team too and I just think it's really difficult to do that because look at the Arsenal side um, Invincibles you look at I grew up watching Sir Alex Ferguson at Man United and Chelsea were really strong at the time and there's so many different comparisons you can make but I just think it's too difficult to do that because it is a different era they are playing a different brand of football Um, that game against Real Madrid in the Champions League the other night that was Last week, sorry, that was one of the best performances I've seen across football since I can remember watching it. So a lot of people will point to the money as well, but there's plenty of teams out there that can provide examples that if you've got the money, that doesn't mean you're going to play well, win trophies. At PSG, for example, I just think they're full of superstars, but they're not as, you know, as, as good as Man City, obviously, as a team. And Pep has done it at a few different clubs now, so I think they've got to be up there, but I just don't think you can really make comparisons, if I'm being honest. It is hard. It is hard to make comparisons. The, the, the one thing, like, so a lot of the talk's been between the, the Man United's treble 99 team and this Man City team. The one thing I will... I've always said that Man United treble team, because number one, they've, already, they've done the treble, Man City haven't even done the treble yet. But the thing that was special about that Man United that Man United treble team is that a lot of them players came through the youth team. You know the class in '89. There's there's that's a special kind of that's a special kind of phrase. With Man City, it's different. Like although Man City are a brilliant team to watch, you know they play some brilliant football. Probably the best football I've seen. It's right up there. A lot of the a lot of it is to do with the fact that they've they can get the players in that they want, spend the money. So they can play that style of football where, you know, there's something quite special about the fact that a lot of these players in the Man United team came through the youth team and they managed to, you know, they managed to complete that amazing, amazing treble. Um, I've always mm-hmm. said the Man United treble team would, is, my, is my pick, but if Man City do go on to win the treble, it's going to be such a hard, it, it's going to be one of the debates that will go on for, for, for years to come because it's such a hard kind of discussion to have. Yeah, that's, that's what, sorry, that's what I mean. There's so, so many different variables that 
you can look at the like you say the youth players coming through the different era, different styles of the money nowadays. But then you could also argue that the Man City have got a different type of competition to back then. They're facing teams with maybe not the same amount of money, but you know the, the amount of money that's in football nowadays is is going up a lot. So, like I say, it's it's open for debate and will probably be debated for years to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also think that um, Salah's Ferguson's a better manager than Pep Guardiola because he's done it at Aberdeen, won a European trophy. Um, he then went to Manchester United in 26 years, he won 13 Premier League titles. He had a legacy and he had to constantly keep rebuilding. Um, was obviously Pep Guardiola inherited probably one of the greatest Barcelona sides, Lionel Messi, Xavi and Esther. And then he went to Bayern Munich, failed to win the Champions League, but he won it at Barcelona. Um, but he never really succeeded at Bayern Munich and then obviously his first season at Man City finished what was it third or fourth so it took a while to get going then but once he started going he started really rolling but the fact is like you say Tom said the class in 92 um, Manchester United all the youth players and in, in the sides as well that, that kind of is a major factor and obviously the fact is he's Scottish as well you've got to back your, back your own and as well Pierce I think Maybe a wee bit of bias in there against Pep because you've got a Ma- uh, Real Madrid shirt on, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. The, the, just the last thing about that about the sort of Alex Ferguson Pep Guardiola debate. I mean, Alex Ferguson's anyway, and he's still won the most trophies out of every manager that's been managing in football. But if but um, I think a lot of the debate now is the fact that the way Guardiola plays football. Like, I know Guardiola's always come into teams like Barcelona, Bayern, Man City, and they have the money and they can, and you know, and they've always been very successful. But I just think with Guardiola, it's it's that style of football that he plays. I mean, everybody, like every manager, young manager that comes into football now, they all aspire to play the way that Pep Guardiola wants to play football. And that's the kind of legacy he's going to leave when he does eventually, you know, retire from football management. You know, I, I think at the end, I think if we're talking about in years to come, Sir Alex Ferguson and Guardiola, they're going to be quite, quite, quite probably the two best managers we've ever seen. I mean, they're both amazing in their, in their, uh, in their own right, you know, in terms of what they've done for football. Uh, but it's such a hard, it's such a hard kind of question to answer. You know, you, you, mm-hmm. it's easy. It's Alex Ferguson because of the trophies he's won. But then you look at Guardiola and the way he wants his teams to set up and how they play. It's so it's so good to watch. Same Alex Ferguson as well, by the way, don't. I mean, his teams are amazing to watch as well. Um, but it's such it, a hard debate. It could literally go on forever because you're saying Pep had Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, some of the best players in the world. But then you look back to Man United who had Ronaldo. Liverpool had arguably one of the best midfielders and Steven Gerrard. So there's so many excuses that you can say, well, this guy had this, this guy had this. So it's, it's literally just your opinion and it's whatever you think is the best to watch. So I could go on for ages, but um, we can probably agree that they're all amazing managers anyway. Mm-hmm. Just going back, by the way, just going back to the Man City won the title. Totally deserved, by the way. They've been, in, in the end of, you know, they picked up towards the end of the season and, you know, totally deserved it. I was just going to ask, Lastly, so looking to next season in the Premier League, I think it's going to be likely unless they have a a bad a bad season that Man City will will be up there to win the title. So starting off with you, Pierce, who do you think's going to be Man City's main competitors next season for the title? 
Newcastle United. I think they've been very, very good this season. Like they've just been exciting to watch. Sometimes, especially at St James's Park, when the stadium's rocking, they've blown teams away. You look at that Tottenham result. It was at six one. It was unbelievable. And the fact is, like they've got such a solid defence in midfield, um, and even up front, they're exciting to watch. And that's with if obviously they have the the major backing of the Saudis, but like Liam touched on earlier, you don't necessarily need to have the biggest money and buy the biggest players to win. They bought well. They bought when you've got a right structure and the right people in charge of your recruitment, it can be done really well. And obviously the the fact is Eddie Howe is a coach. The players he already inherited. He's brought them on leaps and bounds. You look at, for instance, with Sean Longstaff, Jacob Murphy, probably championship standard players, but he's given that confidence and they've all of them have just been improved. And as a side, they're exciting to watch. And I think next season, they're in, they're guaranteed Europe next season um, in potentially Champions League football. So the fact is it's very exciting times. And I think, obviously, by the summer, they could add a few additions in terms of attacking front. Um, I think their defence in that is solid. It's just maybe maybe a midfielder and a couple of wingers, and I think they're absolutely bang on to challenge for Man City for the title. But I think it's Man City's title to lose, to be honest. But they're a, they're my surprise package. Mm-hmm. Or be yourself, Liam. What team or teams? I I would agree with Pierce, and I, I touched on it last time I was on, and says you can tell that it's not just about the money for Newcastle. They're the way they're coached, like Pierce said. Um, and there's there's been there's obviously so much talent across Europe, right? But there's been stories that I've seen about uh, teams being linked with players and people that are saying Newcastle are all about the money. There's there's been times and they've not been linked to the same players that United have or Man City have, or you know. So they're not just throwing money at things, and you can see that. Um, and this season Arsenal have obviously been very good, but. I'll probably put it out there. I don't think they'll get top four next season because I wouldn't go as far to say overrated because, like I say, they've been absolutely um, good to watch. But I just think a full-strength Liverpool side, like from a couple of years ago, this new Newcastle side, under United, Ten Hag's been getting them playing some good stuff as well. So I think if these teams strengthen, and Arsenal will strengthen as well, but I just think that if Arsenal were facing... Like I say, a Liverpool team for a couple of seasons ago, a strong United side, I don't really see them finishing second, if I'm being honest, even though they've been good. So I I, I think Newcastle, a strong United, and Liverpool coming back as well. Yeah, I mean, Newcastle, I mean, it's a good point, Newcastle. I mean, I'll probably not say Newcastle just because I'm not sure how, because it's like European football, I don't know how they're going to react to it. I need to see how they react to the fact that they've now got European football on top of challenging for a title. I, I'm going to go for Liverpool United. I think both, I think they two and Man City will be right up there next season. I think Liverpool, they look, I mean, I've been reading the bits, the bits about their players that are coming in. You know, it looks like the midfield, because they've had big problems with that. I think if they get a couple of good midfielders in there, I think, you know, they could be right up there next season. I think Man United, in my opinion, are a striker, a, a top top striker away from from doing some good things. You know, Harry Kane, maybe maybe time for him to leave Tottenham. Uh, I think Man United would be 
would be right in there to, to sign him. They got Harry Kane in Man United. I think they were right up there. Um, so I'll go a little point in Man United, but I mean, Newcastle are any teams that you can't rule out. I mean, y- y- you just don't know. Um, so we'll now move on to discussing this weekend's or this week's upcoming Scottish Premiership matches. So on Wednesday, the 24th of May, all Scottish Premier, uh, Premiership teams will be in action. So I'll just give you a list of all the games that are getting played. So it'll be Limston versus Murrowell, Dundee United versus, versus Kilmarnock, Hibs versus Celtic, Aberdeen versus St Mirren, Rangers versus Hearts, um, and Ross County versus St Johnston. So Pierce, starting off with you, which match uh, are you looking forward to the most? Uh, the most? Um, probably was it the was it Motherwell Dundee United? Um, it's Dundee United Kilmarnock. Dundee United Kilmarnock. That's the one I'm excited for. Um, because I think that's like a relegation really dogfight, and I think if Kilmarnock, although it's away from home, isn't it? it's at Tannadice. Mm-hmm. They have been woeful this season. That is a complete six pointer. Um, and obviously with the league title, so not for Celtic at the top of the table, and Rangers is themselves kind of. Got nothing to play for, so it's all the eyes will be on the bottom of the table, and if obviously Jim Goodwin can um, somehow make donated escape relegation, um, but I think um, I think come on, look, maybe even pick up the first three points of the season away from home, um, but that's the one I'll be. I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, what about yourself, Liam? Um, I'll actually disagree with Pierce and say that all eyes will be up the top of the table um, in the Celtic Mentors games just to see who has the bragging rights come summer. Um, Molly Joe from Celtic have obviously got the bragging rights. But um, in the top half, the only game that I would probably be looking towards is Aberdeen because Hearts against Rangers, they could possibly pick up a point, but... I watched Rangers at the weekend against Hibs and Hibs were the team that had something to play for to close the gap in hearts and Rangers just uh, thrashed them. Hibs did play well, to be fair, um, towards the end of the first half and the second half, but Rangers just just thrashed them, to be honest, and I don't really see hearts getting a result. So if Aberdeen win and hearts fail to draw, then Aberdeen have secured third. But like Pierre said, probably the biggest game as Dundee United Kilmarnock and I'd back Goodwin to, to keep United up. Um, the last game of the season is obviously going to be the most important, but I think going into that, you need a wee bit of a, you know, give yourself a wee bit of a chance. And if Dundee United can win, they will give themselves that chance because they're away to Motherwell in the last game of the season. So they need to make sure they get a result tomorrow. And Ross County as well, they need to make sure that they, they win tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the biggest game has got to be the Dundee United come on. I mean, I think Dundee United have to win that now because uh, the result they had at the weekend there, you know, they're at home as well. I mean, it's going to be rocking Paradise tonight uh, or tomorrow night. Um, so, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a must win for Dundee United. Because um, I think I think if come on and win that, I, I mean, I think it's it's not looking good for Dundee United. I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to have to be a miracle for them to stay up. Um, the in the top half, the the Aberdeen St Mirren game, the Rangers Hearts game. You know, obviously Aberdeen Hearts are now because of Hearts beating Aberdeen, 
at the weekend there. You know, they, they two are now pushing pushing for third place. Um, so they two games are going to be interesting. I think if Hearts pick something up at Ibrox, I mean, I think Stephen Naismith, I think his hopes of getting the job permanently is going to go, you know, it's, I, I think he's going to be in for a right good chance if he, if he gets something at Ibrox. Um, you know, they, they two games are going to be interesting, you know, because the, the rest of Fords up until up until the last game of the season is going to be, it's going to be, I mean, it's, it's up for grabs, isn't it? Going to be really interesting, and then you've got that Ross County St Johnston game. You know St Johnston that that's in now safe, so maybe they might they might kind of relax a bit. You know which means that Ross County can get themselves some the three points, which would probably most likely get them out of you know getting relegated. So let's just say it's, so, it's, it's, it's sorry, just I mean, just I'm just saying that it's just going to be. I mean, it's such an exciting kind of last two games in the league. I, and like I say, obviously the last game of the season's the biggie, but for a lot of teams, this game coming up tomorrow is, is the big one because the last game of the season for Aberdeen, they're at Parkhead, probably won't get much. Uh, Hearts, Edinburgh Derby, so again, that's always you know one that you can't predict. So for a lot of these teams, this game tomorrow is is probably their no last chance. Cause that's, that's a bit naive, but it's probably the game that they would look to win. Um and got a better chance of winning. And the only game, the last game of the season, you could probably say is a really big one is is it Ross County Kilmarnock that played in the last game of the season? I think so, yeah. So so that would that would probably be yeah. big for Ross County. But yeah, like I say, tomorrow's a massive night. Mm-hmm. I know as it's, it's, I, I think a lot of kind of decisions from kind of fans will be made up after tomorrow night, see where the club's going if they're gonna get relegated. Finishing Europe, things like that. Um, so for the final part um, of the show, Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. Yeah, so we'll start off with Korean football news. And um, uh, Guangzhou FC striker Sandro Lima is accused of causing a car accident whilst uh, driving for a driver's license. He has a, dri- a Brazilian driver's license, but he didn't get his international driving permit through in time. And he had a car accident, so he's in some hot water. And uh, Hong Myungbo has received a historic contract renewal proposal from Ulsan Hyundai. Um, the contract offer make him the highest paid manager in South Korean professional sports history. And uh, kicking on for that, um, so on Saturday the 20th of May, uh, Inch United won, Guangzhou FC won, FC Seoul won, Jeju United won. Dejan Hanna Citizen nil, Daegu FC 1 on Sunday, uh, 21st of May, Gangwon FC nil, Hohang Steelers nil, Suwon, Samsung Blue Wings 2, Ulsan Hyundai 3, Jumbuk Hyundai Motors 3, Suwon FC 1. So it leaves the table at the top, Ulsan Hyundai in first on 37 points after 14 matches, and then you've got FC Seoul, Jeju United and Pohang Steelers second, third and fourth respectively, all in 24 points. At the bottom of the table, you've got 12th place, Samsung Sewing Blowings, 14 games, 8 points, and then right above them, you've got Gangwon FC on 11 points. So in terms of the Japanese league, um, some breaking news in, uh, in midweek on Wednesday 17th of May, uh, Brazilian manager Nelsinho was sacked following a poor start to the season with his side in a relegation dogfight. They are currently languishing in the 15th place at the time of recording, 
Um, so his record under um, at Kashiwa Racial, G League 1, he won in 2011, he won in G League 2 in 2010 and 2019, he won a G League Cup in 2013, he won a Japanese Super Cup in 2012, and he was a manager in 2011. So Nelson, first served as manager from 2009 to 2014, won in the second division title in 2010, and then making them the first team in league history to win the top flight championship in the first year after promotion. Um, so I had a match report on Friday, 19th of May, Locado, Contador, Sapporo 2, Kyoto Sanga 1, that's on the Football Trigger website. And on Saturday, 20th of May, round off the action, Avish Bafakoka 0, Ural Red Diamonds 0, Shonan Belmer 0, Cerezo Asaka 2, Nagoya Grampus 2, San Fretchi Hiroshima 1, Gashima Antlers 1, FC Tokyo 1, Gashima Racer 1, Vassel Kobe 1, uh, Yokohama FC 2, Kawasaki Fintali 1, um, Sagan Tusu 2, Albrecht Nagata 0, Gambo Saka 2, uh, Gambo Saka 0, Yokohama F Mariners 2. Then that leaves the J League uh, table and Vassel Kobe at top with 30 points after 14 matches. Um, in second place, you've got Yokohama F Mariners on 27, and in third place, you've got Nagoya Grampus on 26. And at the bottom of the table, you've got Gambo Saka rooted at the foot of the table, seven points for 14 matches. Uh, and then you've got Sean and Belmere on 11 and 17th, only played 13 matches. And then in the 16th and 15th, you've got Kashiwa Racial on 12 points and Yokama FC on 12 points. And that's all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. Um, and also, thank you, Liam, for coming on the podcast. It's good to see you. No problem. Uh, I just want to, can I just say thanks to our sponsor, Rockstar, for sponsoring that nah, I'm Can I pick that up? We can. <laughs> I'll give it away free cans if you want to fly back, Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> We'll send some over. Um, so thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Football Sugar podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Sugar YouTube channel and also the Football Sugar website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye-bye.